We are preaching the map, dealing with seven points in the geographic area around the promised land that informs us on our personal journey. I uh, am enjoying this series. We start off in Egypt. That's the first point on the map. Egypt is indicative of the old life. It is uh, the life of sin, the life of uh, bondage and captivity. But God wants to get us out of Egypt and bring us to the land of to, to the Canaan land, to the promised land. The second point on the on the map is the River Jordan. It is where we cross, I'm sorry, the Red Sea. <laughs> We're getting to the Jordan here in a minute. The second point on the map is the Red Sea, where we have a moment where we give our heart to Jesus. We say no to sin, to the past. We say yes to God, and we have an experience where we cross over. When we get to the other side, Canaan is not contiguous. It's not right immediately there. We find there is this large desert. Sinai Peninsula, and we go to Desert University. We go to Desert University to learn how to get rid of some of the old habits that we learned in Egypt. We learn how to trust and obey in Desert University. Point number four, we came to Kadesh Barnea. We came to the southern border of the land of Canaan. Twelve spies went to spy out Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good, right? The majority report said, look, it's a wonderful land, but we cannot take it. And in our lives, many people come right up to what God has for them. And they back away. They don't press into everything that God has for them. And that wondering, that that wavering causes us to go into the wilderness. We talked about the wilderness last week and wilderness wanderings and it. A year for every day that they were in Canaan ended up being a total of 40 years wandering in the wilderness. We even got right up to Canaan last year. Remember three tribes. Three of the tribes said we will not move any further. In fact, on this side of the Jordan, just go ahead and give us our inheritance. We know better than God what our inheritance, what the land should be. And they made a conscious decision not to go over. Today we do, as Brad said, we get to come to crossing the Jordan. I'm going to put another chart up here that just shows the order of salvation. I know that's a little hard for you to read, especially in the back. But there is a uh, corresponding point. I'll go through it in, and we'll go that just over the review. In Egypt, God is working in our life. In the Church of the Nazarene, we call it prevenient grace. So even before we come to Christ, God is working in our life to bring us to the point of salvation. This prodigal board over here, the very fact that names are written on there indicates that God is working in their life and cares about them so much that he would impress it on my heart, on your heart, to put that name written in red, in symbolizing the blood of Jesus that that God would be working in their lives and I can testify we have we have testimonies that God is working in their lives bringing them to a place of repentance you'll see the red sea is is this crisis experience where we where we experience the love of God as we confess our sins to him 
in the desert. We've got spiritual growth and and assurance. And then we come to those times of spiritual decisions. Unfortunately, as God begins working in our lives, many of us can testify to disobedience and rebellion. God, the Holy Spirit being faithful to our hearts. And then we just have that little no. That says, no, I, God, I want you. I, I want I want all that God has. But and it's it's 90 percent or it's 80 percent. We're going to talk about an all experience this morning, another crisis experience. And that's one thing I love about this series is it, it really it goes well with our theology that there is a second work of grace. There is something God wants to do deep in our heart to take away the thing that causes us to sin in the first place. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to he wants to just purify our hearts so that the very intent of my heart is to do what pleases him. So it's another crisis moment. God working in my life where I come to another river now. The Jordan River and the promised land is just right there. A life full of fruitfulness and victory over sin. Now, <laughs> in the promised land, there's spiritual abundance, there's assurance, there's, there's warfare. <laughs> As we'll learn at the end of the message this morning, there are people living on our inheritance so it doesn't mean that we just coast once we get on the other side of the Jordan River. So don't misunderstand me this morning. There's still a battle, battles to be won. There's two stages of the Christian life. And I want you to look at this verse here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son... We were Pharaoh's slave in, slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Are you glad he brought you out? Everybody say, brought us out. Brought us out. We keep reading. That he might what? Bring us in. Everybody say, bring us in. He brings us out, but he doesn't just stop there. He's got something for us, and so he brings us in. To give us the land that he swore to give to our father. In the Old Testament, the exodus is getting out of Egypt. The conquest is getting into Canaan. These are incredible, important for the people of God. In the New Testament, it is the cross of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus that is symbolic of that Egypt experience. And Pentecost is that indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is the symbolic of the same of the crossing over into the over the Jordan into the promised land. Salvation, full salvation really can't be understood without both of those realities. Two geographic places, two great realities, one breaking free from everything that holds me in bondage. In gospel terms, that is forgiveness, that's conversion, that's calling, following Christ, that's freedom. But the second experience is entering into the spirit-filled life of fruitfulness and victory. Listen carefully, victory over all that opposes the plan of God for my life. In gospel terms, 
It's the power to live a holy life, being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's all kind of terms in the church of Nazarene. We say entirely sanctified, full consecration, filled with the Holy Spirit. They're related, but two distinct things that God wants to do in our lives. This map helps us understand that salvation is both a process and a crisis. Okay? When I was growing up, there was a lot of emphasis on just the crisis moment. You've got to get sanctified. You've got to get saved. You've got to get sanctified. And it was just really focused on the moment in time. But I'm here to tell you, we need a distinct moment in time when we totally surrender everything to God. But there is a growth in grace that continues to happen. I need to be demonstrating a life of holiness and fruitfulness that indicates to you, I am more like Jesus. I am more Christ-like tomorrow, five weeks from now, five years from now than I am today. And it's the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables that. Mother Teresa was talking to former U.S. Senator and former Governor of Kansas, Sam Brownback. She had been in the United States for about 10 days, and she was getting ready to fly back to India. And so he was there at the tarmac at the airport, and he held her hands, and she looked right into his eyes, and she said these words, All for Jesus. All for Jesus. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, let go of his hands and went and got on the airplane. I don't know about you, but Senator Brownback, he, I don't know what just happened, but that was a holy moment. All for Jesus. I want to talk to you this morning about all for Jesus. Dr. John Oswalt said it this way. When we get saved, the Spirit of God is in us. But when we get sanctified, when we cross the Jordan, now you want to let the Spirit loose in your life. You get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. But it's time to let Him loose. It's time to cross the Jordan into the life of fruitfulness and victory that God has for us. Children are staying in the service. I'm going to have Miss Emma come and help. You can turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. She's, you can read along on the screen or in your Bibles this morning as, as uh, Emma leads us. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out for Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all of the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, Bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that they might know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may not know that I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
Yet you shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you, and the Canaanites and the Hittites, Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites behold the Ark of the Covenant awesome. of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourself twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. That the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Amen. Praise God. Good job. Got all those ites out of there, huh? What are the lessons for us about this experience, about spiritual wholeness from Joshua chapter 3? The first one is God's presence leads on into our destiny. God's presence leads on into our destiny. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. When you see God begin to move, You follow it. The Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. There were some key components, some things that were inside the Ark of the Covenant. One of it was Aaron's rod that budded. The the rod represents, and and Moses' rod represents the power of God. God's power working in our life. God has done some amazing things for the children of Israel. And God's done some amazing things for me and for you. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was was manna. (laughs) They've complained about the manna, but it is manna is God's provision. Not only God's power, but God's provision is there. Also in the Ark of the Covenant is the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And so the power, the presence, the provision of God, the, the law of God, all of the when you see God begin to move. Follow him. Get in line behind him and go over into your destiny. Somebody told me this past week, Pastor, I believe that's I'm one. I'm with those tribes. I, I just I feel like I'm standing right at the border and I, I'm not I'm not able to go in. And I said, Brother, I disagree. I don't think you're one of those three tribes because they made a conscious decision. I will not go any further. But I know the intent of your heart. I can hear from you even asking this question that you want more of what God has for you. And so when you see God begin to move, just get in line behind him and follow him. God's presence leads us on into our destiny. We're not going into our destiny, into our promised land without the presence of God. No. It's his promise. It's his land. We are his people. His presence leads us on into our destiny. I want to give you an outline for this experience. Dr. Crawford Howe was our interim district superintendent, and and he put together this little outline that, that helps us in this experience. It's the SCAT outline. SCAT, easy, something easy for us to remember. S stands for thank God for saving us. 
Thank God for saving you. This this experience, you got to get through the Red Sea before the Jordan River. So this is for believers. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, that's speaking to Christians, that you yield your bodies as living sacrifices. So thank God in this, as we come to the Jordan River, thank God for all he's done in your life. Thank him for getting you out of Egypt. Thank you for thank him for deliverance. Thank God for saving you. Just as we praised him today, he inhabits the praises of his people. The C stands for consecrate, dedicate to God all your life. Remember all for Jesus, all for Jesus, your checkbook, your wallet, your keys, your relationships, consecrate it, bring it, bring it all. All that you think, all that you feel, all that you choose, all your behavior, all that you own. I am bringing it to you. You can have it all, God. A stands for ask him to make you holy. (laughs) Ask him to sanctify it. Lord, everything I've given you. Make it all holy. Set it apart for your plans and your purposes. Set it aside for a holy use. So I bring it to God. I consecrate it to him. And then he's the one that does the sanctifying. Acts 15, 9 says he purified their hearts by faith. So ask him to do it. And T is trust him. Trust him that he's done exactly that sanctified you holy and that he's given you the purity and the power to live exactly as he wants you to live. That's what the beauty of the holiness message is. He calls us to be holy as he, the Lord your God, is holy. He is not going to call us to something that his power does not equip us to do. Dr. Kyle says there's going to come a time when you recognize that Jesus is calling you to a deeper walk with him. And desires to cleanse you from everything that is not him. You want more. (laughs) Some of you say, Pastor, that's exactly where I am today. I want more. There is more. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, wants to purify you and empower you to live on another level of love, both for him and for others. John Wesley said that's what holiness is. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. He desires to cleanse you from everything that is not him. Another way to say that is we have to utterly die. Die to ourself. It's not a death of ourself, but it's a death to ourself. A friend, pastor in Mississippi, Rob Pokai, he said, <laughs> I was having a funeral for myself one day on the side of the road. He was driving one day through the roads of Mississippi, and he just said he was under such conviction of the Holy Spirit, he had to pull off to the side of the road, get out of his car, and say, God, I give you everything. I give you the past. I give you. He already loved Jesus. He was a believer. But he said, my plans for my life, I give them to you now. Everything, Lord, that all, all of these desires, anything that just takes me away from serving you, I'm giving it to you now. And he said, I had a funeral on the side of the road. I had my own funeral. Friends, some of us need to have a funeral. We need to die to our own way, our own will, our own plans. 
He said, only then could the Holy Spirit have his way in me. God's presence leads us on to our destiny. Number two, there's new realities. Emma read it for us, verse 4, for you have not passed this way before. Israel was getting ready to go into the promised land and they had not been there before. They did not know what was coming, but they knew down deep inside it was going to be good. My own experience of surrendered life, I can tell you it was on a tractor in Sweet Lake, Louisiana, driving down a gravel road. And I said, Lord, I just give it all to you. My plan, my future. I'm giving every these things I'm struggling with. I'm giving it to you. I remember it like it was yesterday. There was another time I stood up in the chapel service at Hope Sound Bible College and said, I do not want to be a mediocre Christian. I am blessed to work at Louisiana Family Forum. Brother Gene Mills' wife and mother-in-law is here this morning. Blanche, I remember the day when I had coffee with Brother Gene at CC's Coffee right there in the, in the shadow of Tiger Stadium. And I said, Gene, I don't know what God's doing, but I feel like he's calling me into something, something else. I don't know what that looks like. It was two years later when I was at a global leadership meeting for Hertz in Orlando, Florida. And Gene called and said, I want you to come. I want you to come on board with us. I want you to raise your own support. I want you to, to, to join with me. Man, I didn't know what that looked like. In fact, the, the, after I started, I remember the, another altar there at Baton Rouge First Church of the Nazarene. I wondered, what have I done? I did not know what all it looked like. But I can tell you, I knew that God was with me. When there's when you when you go into this, it's new realities. You've not passed this way before. We can't put all the pieces together. God's not going to show you the whole staircase. He will show you the next step. And I can tell you this morning on the authority of the word of God, it is going to be good. New realities. There's two important points before they go. Joshua said to the people, you need to do these things. You need to consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's go back over that sea. Let's go back over that consecrate. Here he said it could have been for their life, for this large group of people. He might have been saying, before we do this, I want you to abstain from sexual relations. I want you. I mean, they've been out in the wilderness. It might have been bath times for them to go get washed up. But this is, you have got to set yourself apart for this holy experience. And then he says, anticipate God doing some great things. I love this verse. God, consecrate yourself. For tomorrow, God is going to do some amazing things through you and for you. Matt Friedemann has been here and preached. And he talks about his own experience when God... Spoke to him about crossing the Jordan. One thing, he, he God talked to him. He said, I want you to give me the women in your life. I want you to give me your TV. And I want you to... He was he was trying out for Olympics in, for, uh, in, in discus. He said, I want you to give me discus. His life, he said, I gave God women. And he said, there's no... Soon after that, Mary, his wife, came into his... There's no way I could have, have lined it up that way. And the blessing that God gave... God, you want my TV? <laughs> when he was at our house, he sat down, and I knew they didn't have a TV. They, he, he hasn't had a TV in his home since that time. This, I think it was, was 1979. 
He's always at my house. I was like, well, you know, here we don't have to watch TV. Football was on. No, no, I love TV. But he couldn't have it around all the time because it, it's too much. He just, that's one thing in his life. Now, God may not deal with you about TV. It, it probably wouldn't hurt for him to talk to some of us about TV and what we're watching or other things on the, you get what I'm saying? Just give me those things that, that take our attention and our focus off of God. It could be relationships. It could be sports. It, it, in his life, God, don't send me to the mission field. <laughs> First thing, after he got out of seminary, he was sent to Africa for, it was a short-term assignment that he still had. I mean, it was like God saying, okay, I got this. Consecrate yourself. Tomorrow, God will do some amazing things before you. You see, as we're consecrating ourselves, we're asking God to take this this bent towards sin, the bent toward doing the wrong thing. And we're asking him to cleanse our heart of that and replace it with a bent towards holiness, a bent towards doing. So the I like to say it this way. The default setting in my life is to please God and do what he wants me to do. I got good news to you today. That is possible. As God sanctifies it, as we cross over the Jordan, the very default. But does that mean you never have any struggles anymore? No. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sin. But it means that I am tuned towards doing what God wants me to do and living in relationship with Him. Another lesson that we learn from this story in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. Moses didn't make it to the promised land. He wasn't allowed to. He got to stand on the mountain and look over into the promised land, but he could not go in. And so now there is a leadership shift. There is Joshua. You're the one that's going to lead us in. Can I tell you? All of us need somebody speaking into our lives. Even in the promised land, we need human guidance. We need discipleship. In the church of the Nazarene, we have six general superintendents. We're blessed. They're around the globe. And one of the six is a woman. It's, it's, it's our spiritual leaders in the church of the Nazarene. Similar to, to them being the high, maybe like the Pope. Uh, it's, it's the... For the Church of the Nazarene, that's who we go to for for final authority or under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But for in the governance, they're at the top. You with me? One day, a general superintendent said God began to speak to him because we were going through this question a few years ago. Who are you discipling and who's discipling you? That's a good question for every, every one of us. Who are you discipling and Who's discipling you? And this general superintendent said, I realized I was pouring my life into people, but I didn't have anybody speaking into my life asking me the hard questions anymore. So he went to a lay person. He went to a, a, a person that he, he perceived to be closer to God than he was. Not a position in the church, but a relationship with God Almighty. And they began weekly communicating. All of us. Need someone speaking into our life. Can I tell you, if you're going to live the life of holiness and the life of fruitfulness and the life of victory, we have to be intentional about discipleship. I make myself. Wednesdays, I have a phone call that I, I have 
pastors that we we study the word together on Friday mornings, 815, that it's it's very disciplined for me. I rarely, rarely miss if I'm on the road, I'm on I'm listening by phone and participating, uh, not not by Zoom, but by by telephone. That's why I make myself available at 530 on a Wednesday morning. You can join me on six o'clock on a Thursday morning if that's better for you. Look. Find somebody who speaks into your life. I, I'd love to sit down and have coffee with you every week, all of you. But but those are some intentional times where, where we say, Jesus, you lead us. We want to be discipled by you. Can I urge you and encourage you as you cross the Jordan? That we're not going to stop there. That's a crisis moment. But this is the process of growing deeper with God in spiritual growth. And so he speaks through his word. He speaks by his spirit. He speaks through the body of Christ. And iron sharpens iron and we grow closer to him there's discipleship leadership here in the promised land the last lesson that we learn is that there's battles coming (laughs) emma read it so powerfully joshua said by this you shall know that the living god is among you you'll surely dispossess dispossess from before you, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, the Jebusite, and all the other ites. You look over on the other side of the Jordan there, and there's people living on your inheritance. That's the promised land. There's battles coming. We'll talk about some of them in the coming weeks. There's battles to be won. But the you remember the Ark of the Covenant? The presence of God is going before you. He will. This is how I fight my battles. We fight it on our knees. We fight them in the power of the Holy Spirit. The promised land isn't a promise because it's easy. It's promised because God, that's where God wants us to be. There's going to be battles. There's going to be hard work. Can I tell you, there is spiritual warfare. There's frustrations. Do you know why God wants them there? He's got a plan and purpose for them. He's got something to... This crossing the Jordan is not about us. It's not about you. When we die, when we have our funeral, we die to ourselves. And so here in the promised land, there's a partnership. There's a, there is a holy experience of God launching us into all that he has for our lives. A life of fruitfulness. That's why we can send Ben to the University of Louisiana at Monroe. That's where God wants him right now. That's why we can send Charles and Amber to Istanbul. Don't be, God wants to send our young people back here to view Orleans because there's kids back there that need the transforming power of Jesus. They won't come through these doors, but we're going to take the church to them. God wants us in Canaan land because he wants to launch us into the ministry, the calling, the purposes and plans that he has for our lives. He wants us today to be spiritually complete in Him. I want to review that scat with you this morning. Thank God for saving you. Ask Him this morning. Consecrate, dedicate all of your life to Him. God, I'm giving you my career. I'm giving you my family. God, I'm consecrating my checkbook to you. God, I'm giving blank. 
might be different for every one of us this morning. God, I'm giving you this. And then we ask him to sanctify that. Make it holy. And then believe and trust him that he's done exactly like that. First Thessalonians, by the very God of peace, sanctify you through and through. There's going to come a time when you recognize that Jesus is calling you to a deeper walk with him and desires to cleanse you from everything that is not him. You will want more. Can I tell you this morning, there's more. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, wants to purify you and empower you to live on another level of love for him and for others. Friends, this morning, if you sense God is calling you to this deeper life, I'm going to open the altar in just a moment. I want you to stand with me this morning. The Spirit of God has been here. We've been all over the map. But now we come to another moment in time where we cross the Jordan River. And I've been praying all week. And I've been believing God all week that that He is preparing your heart. And you just say, Pastor, I want more. You maybe have crossed the Jordan before, but in this process of growing more like Jesus, maybe the Holy Spirit has put His finger on something and you need to say this morning, God, I just need to give you that. I need to consecrate that. And you want to come here. I'd love to pray with you this morning. But as we sing this morning, can we just get honest? We're going to have communion in just a moment. We're going to share the Lord's Supper. But before that, I'd love to have a good season of prayer. If you want more this morning, just step out in faith believing. And let's, let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Is this the cry of your heart today, God? How do you feel about it this morning? Don't back up from the promised land. It's time to go deeper with God. else just God's working in your life and say I need to give this to God I need to consecrate this this morning my plans my purposes heart today. You can have it all, Lord. Every part. We're not holding back anything this morning, God. 100%. All of me. All of me.
Let me pray a prayer of faith this morning. Your presence is here, God. We thank you for your saving grace. This morning, Lord, we come and thank you for your sanctifying grace. Your grace that cleanses us, Lord. Lord, I'm trusting you right now. Thank you for these hearts that are hungry for more, that want to go deeper with you. Whatever area of life, their whole life, God, we are consecrating that to you. We thank you for saving, God. We thank you for delivering us from Egypt, God. We thank you for bringing us through the wilderness. God, we've come now to the Jordan, and we're ready to cross over. We're ready to plunge deep into all that you have for us, God. We see the promised land. We see the life of victory. We see the life of fruitfulness, oh God. And today, in the power of the Holy Spirit, God, by faith, we trust you. God. We ask you to sanctify the things that we've given to you this morning, God. We ask you, Lord, we've given it back to you, God. Our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, God. Our desires, oh God. Our sexuality today, God. Our money, our calendars, God. Our careers, God. We're giving it to you today. We're giving you the past. We're giving you the present. We're giving you the future, God. We don't understand all of it, God, but today we consecrate it to you. No that you will do amazing things among us. You'll do wonders among us, oh God. I believe these are the days of Elijah, God. These are powerful days to be alive. Your spirit is moving all over this nation, God. Revival fires are breaking out. I believe we're already in another great awakening. We just don't recognize it yet, God. But Lord, you are wanting to use some vessels that are here this morning that are selling out to you, that are dying, God. We're having a funeral to the past, to our own ways, God, and we are yielding our bodies as living sacrifices today, God. Oh, God, launch us into the communities we live in, God. We launch us into Acadiana, God. We partner with other churches in Acadiana, God, that there would be a fresh move of your spirit, oh, God. Lord, we long to see times where there's prayer going on at the churches, where the, the business is shut down because there's calling out to God. Lord, there's the Cajun field is filled with with worshipers, oh God. The Cajun Dome is filled with worshipers, oh God. Lord, and things begin to change in Acadiana's calendar, God. Things that are not of God go by the wayside, oh God. We believe that for you today. God, but I believe your spirit wants to be poured out all over this country, all over this state, all over this nation, oh God. And today, God, your eyes are moving all over this earth, moving to and fro to hearts that are entirely devoted to you. And that's where we are this morning. Our eyes are upon you. We're seeking you. We're seeking your face today. Today. And it's all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. So sanctify us this morning, oh God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. I'm believing you and trusting you to do it just now, oh God, as we have come in obedience to you and to your word. We thank you and we praise you. And Lord, we come to your table this morning. I'm reminded as we've just talked about all for Jesus. That you gave it all for us. You gave your body. You gave your life. You gave your blood that we might know you. And have the privilege of this relationship. So we thank you for these elements, oh God. And we we consecrate them to you, God. We come to your table this morning in faith believing. Lord, it says as often as we do this, we should do it as a reminder that you're coming again. 
So God, we come in thankfulness today for all that you have done for us. We worship you today. We bless you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Those, Brad, Brother Marvin, Tori, if you'll come and assist me this morning. I'm going to invite you to the Lord's table this morning. We'll make two lines. It's open communion. You don't have to come, but if you'd like to be served, we'll ask you to make two lines. Be served the bread and the juice and go back to your seats. And after everybody's been served, we'll eat and drink together. This feast is for his disciples. Come to his table this morning. holy moment just take a moment to thank him for his grace working in your life remember when he brought you out thank you for your grace Jesus thank you for your love on the night in which he was betrayed he took bread he gave thanks he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me Likewise, when supper was over, he took the cup, 
he gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we come to your table. We bless you. We thank you. We honor you. We bless you. Thank you for giving it all for us, for me, God. So let's take the bread, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was broken for you, preserved you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Let's eat together. Take the cup, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for you. Preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And be thankful. Let's drink together. Amen. Can you say thank you, Jesus? Amen. Let's pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Go in his peace.